Hi, I'm Stacy. I love chatting about how to find our callings, preferably cozied up with steaming beverages in a coffee shop. You can connect with me on social media at Stacy Summerow and subscribe to StacySummerow.com for a free discernment packet called How to Make the Right Choice. God's adventure awaits, my friend, and I am thrilled you're on the journey with me. Hello, welcome back to another episode of Calling Caffeinated. I'm whispering because my family is all living in one room at the moment. Um, there's a story. We are living at the Ronald McDonald House in Washington, D.C. And the reason for that is because my daughter, Honora, is still in the NICU, which is why it has been um, a crazy time and I haven't released an episode in quite a while. We're on something like day 116 in the NICU. Um, it has not gotten any less adventurous. We actually transferred hospitals from um, Innova Fairfax, which was a, an overall wonderful experience. The staff there is incredible. And we transferred her to Children's National Hospital in DC because her intestines, uh, we felt, needed more specialist care, which they have available at Children's National. So here we are in DC. I've only been home five times for a day in the last four months, and we're coming up on four months in the NICU. So please continue to pray for us. Honora is an amazing little girl, and she's doing really well. She had a fourth surgery, which unfortunately she needed because her intestines closed up. So they had to take out some, about 10 centimeters of intestine, and uh, it seems to have gone well. She's on milk again. Her intestines are working to learn to digest food again. Best case scenario is we're out of here in like a week and a half, I think. Um, so by the time this episode drops, we may be very close to going home, which would be incredible. But I would really love to ask for your prayers, continued prayers, because it has been a, such a crazy journey. Um, my children, Raphael and Zelly, have also been amazing. They've just been so adaptable and flexible. And my husband, John, has been great. Um, he has to go back to work, so he is Half of the week he is here in D.C. with us. Half of the week he is back in Winchester. And I'm solo parenting. And because the three children can't all be at the hospital at the same time, um, COVID policy does not allow visitors other than the parents. So the three kids have still never met. And I have to find babysitting for the other two while I go see Honora um, when John is working. So <laughs> that's our crazy life right now. Insanity, right? Um, so I want to thank you for joining me today on Calling Caffeinated. This is a conversation that I recorded back in November. That feels like a very, very long time ago. I was pregnant with Honora. I had just started this unintentional social media fast, which went on for two months, but I was about a week in at the point when I recorded this episode. I know cutting back on social media is something that I have seen a lot of people doing. It's becoming such a divisive platform, uh, especially I feel for Christians. So Tim and I are going to chat about that quite a bit, as well as many, many other ways to um, really get in touch in a very personal way with understanding and becoming attuned to the Holy Spirit in your life. This is something that I feel like my Protestant brothers and sisters do really well, many of them. Uh, Tim is a, a Protestant Christian, and he is, uh, you know, he's grown up with a very personal relationship with the Holy Spirit and a very personal um, understanding that, you know, he, he takes God's word and he, he really 
makes sure and, and reads it as though it applies to him because it does. So we have a lot to learn from Tim. He is an author. He just wrote his first book called Everyday Discernment, which I'm going to link to in the show notes. He also is on social media at Discerning Dad, and I connected with him right away because we both, both of our ministries are all about discernment. So I think it's, you're going to really love this rich conversation. Before we get into the episode, however, I do want to invite you to the Holy Land in January 2022, the 17th through the 25th. It's going to be a nine-day pilgrimage. I'm so excited to see who's signing up, to see people coming on in, and it's just going to be such an adventure. Um, it's called the God's Adventure Awaits Pilgrimage for a reason, because there is something waiting for everyone who comes in the Holy Land. Anytime that I've traveled, I've come back with something that I didn't know I was going to learn. And that's part of the wonderful thing about adventures. You never know what is actually waiting for you when you just go, when you sign up. So I cannot wait to experience just incredible food, incredible culture, incredible community. You guys, I've been chatting with everyone who's been signing up, and I am just loving the people who are going to be there already. I'm so excited for all of us to get there as a group. So if you want to sign up, just go to stacysummerrow.com slash pilgrimage. You can get all the details. There's plenty of time for you to save money, plenty of time for you to get all the details worked out, arrange to take off work. This is going to be an experience you will not regret. So I'll put a link in the show notes. I also just want to get to a, a little sponsor message here. I would be remiss if I did not mention that there is an amazing giveaway that this episode's sponsor, which is Catholic Match, is offering exclusively for my listeners of Called and Caffeinated. You could be the lucky, I mean, ahem, blessed winner of a free six-month premium subscription to Catholic Match. As you probably know, Catholic Match is the largest Catholic online dating platform. And yes, of course, you've probably heard me talk about it. It's how I met my husband. But I'm always surprised to hear how other very solid and amazing couples like my friends Tracy and Brandon met through Catholic Match. So here's what you do for this giveaway for a six-month premium subscription. It's really hard to say. <laughs> but the giveaway is really easy. Just visit the link in the show notes, which is catholicmatch.com slash called and caffeinated, which is all one word. Sign yourself up for a free profile, and it, that just takes a couple of minutes. And you'll automatically be entered into a drawing, which is happening on May 30th. So easy. So make sure you sign up by May 30th to enter for that free six-month subscription. Listen, don't wait any longer because if you've been waiting for a sign from God, this is definitely it to try online dating. Okay, let's get to the episode with Tim Ferrara. Tim, thank you so much for being on Call and Caffeinated. Welcome. Hey, Stacey. Thanks for having me on. I, I love the show and I'm so honored to be able to talk with you today. And, uh, you know, we kind of connected on Instagram back mm -hmm. when I started uh, my ministry and uh, it was cool to see another partner in discernment. You know, there's not a lot of, of people talking about discernment specifically, at least. True. And so it's been mm -hmm. great to connect. You too. Yeah. I, when I found your, so your handle is discerning dad. And I was like, well, this is perfect. Automatic follow because yeah. that's my, my whole ministry was founded on my vocational discernment journey, which eventually led me to realize that discernment really has so much to do with every decision in our life, not just this one specific um, vocational decision. I'm Catholic. So usually, you know, we think of uh, in the Catholic world, so to speak, the Catholic bubble, we think of being a priest, a monk, a nun, but yeah. really it has to do with 
every decision of your life, it's really a lifelong walk with God, bringing him into all your choices. And so I love, so here is the book. For those watching on YouTube, you can see <laughs> Everyday Discernment by Yay. Tim Ferrara. And that's not you on the cover, right? No, no, no. Okay. It's a better looking version so. of me. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it does look like it could be your brother or something yeah. like that. Yeah. So we have Everyday Discernment. You were very kind to send me a book, and I loved reading it. Um, now, uh, I think you were my first non-Catholic guest on Called and Caffeinated. Hey, you... look at that. Awesome. Yes. Christian, what, what, yes. Uh, what church do you go to? Uh, well, uh, I'm usually non-denominational in my faith as far as Christians go, evangelical, um, kind of grew up that way, never, not really holding to a particular denomination, but. Okay. Do you say non-denom? Uh, <laughs> is that a thing? That's the short version of it. Yeah, I've heard it used. It sounds weird, though. <laughs> it does sound weird. I feel like I've heard non-denominational people say that, and I was like, oh, okay. I guess that's what. I guess that's the lingo. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, Christ, Christian works too. You know, whatever. It's it's fine. Christian, right? There's so We're many all... so many branches. It, it's easy to get caught in the weeds. Other other than the yeah. fact that we just love Jesus. So yeah, we're all followers followers of Christ. Amen to that. What are you drinking today? Well, I have a Red Bull, which I'll show nice. you there. So funny story is I don't drink Red Bull normally. And I, I heard it was, you know, it was, I was like, okay, I'm going to be on the caffeinated, called and caffeinated show. So what do I have in the house that's caffeinated? And sure enough, there's one can of Red Bull in the fridge that my wife got for free somewhere. And, uh, you know, I just gave up soda, which is <laughs> something I've been working on. Nice. Soda and candy, which are my two vices. And so right I was like, All Halloween. Right. Good job. Yeah, it's been <laughs> tough. Let me tell you. So. But um, my normal drink is coffee, uh, Starbucks. I'll get an iced uh, coffee with uh, cream. And then Stevia, nice. one packet of Stevia. Which Do they still is, have that? Yeah, they still have it. And uh, <sighs> for me, instead of the pumps of sugar, it's a great mm. substitute. And Stevia is super sweet. So I yeah. can't even tell the difference. It is super sweet. I guess I was thinking of Splenda. Do they have Splenda anymore at Starbucks? Yeah, they still have Splenda too. I prefer Stevia. I think it's yeah. a little more natural or something. I don't know. I think it is. I think Splenda is derived from Stevia or something, but it, I don't know. They do something genetically modified with the Splenda. Or I used to yeah. drink that, eat that stuff all the time and I can't anymore. But Stevia, I'm told, is the natural version of Splenda. Yeah. Yeah. So just derived from a plant. Cool. I feel better than the, you know, eight pumps of sugar in my body every day. So. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. Wow. So you are going to be like talking a million miles an hour potentially here. We'll see where yeah. you go to by the end of this. I mean, yeah, this so is I'll crash by the end. They'll just be sleeping on the mic here. <laughs> 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 my tagline for the show is God's adventure awaits. So yeah. it's like, <laughs> we'll see this. We're on an adventure yeah. here. <laughs> this gives us, you know, this gives me wings and, you know, yeah. flying the wings of eagles. And <laughs> let's keep going with all the cheesy. Yeah. Let's yeah. just keep, keep, you know, I got dad jokes on. for days that, uh, you know, I'm, I live up to discer discerning dad jokes could be literally another offshoot I do on Instagram. Oh <laughs> you should do that sometime. Yeah. That'd be funny. That is awesome. Um, so what calls have you received from God in your life so far? And what has receiving those calls looked and felt like for you? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, you know, I grew up in the church. My dad was a, a pastor and, uh, you know, I've always been involved in the church. Um, I never wanted to be, quote, a pastor. So I've worked in business for over 20 years. And but I've always been involved in the church one way or another, whether it's teaching, leading, um, currently on the board of elders at my church. Um, and specifically to what I'm doing now, the, the call to start discerning dad started about two years ago, exactly from November of 2018. And 
uh, it was a it was a sermon series about you know the gifts of the spirit and discernment's always been something that has been high for me. You can always take those gift tests online and figure out where you're at. And mm-hmm. so it was literally one service where my pastor was talking about it, and I almost had this like download from from heaven, if you will, is what it felt like, you know, from from the original cloud, you know, not the Apple cloud, but the original cloud <laughs> of God, and so. I just felt like this call to start discerning dad and I didn't know what it meant. And so I just went home and I journaled a ton of just ideas, long-term, short-term goals, stretch goals, um, created a logo, created, you know, and I, I really felt called to blog, uh, first of all, because I was getting all these ideas for things that I just kind of wanted to share. Mm. And so I had to kind of just figure out, okay, how do I start a website? How do I blog? Because I normally don't write. I mean, I graduated Mm. with an MBA, but really since then I have not written much of substance. And so Mm. it really just started this journey of being faithful to that call of, you know, starting all these things from scratch and, Mm. you know, God has blessed that. And uh, about six months after that, I felt called to write a book called Everyday Discernment. And so that process went very quickly, about six months to write that, which I'm told is crazy. And I never, never wanted to write a book. And, you know, if you asked me to write a book now, I'd say no way. But in in the process of being faithful to God, it just came naturally because mm-hmm. that impartation of that, that, that download, if you will, of, of what I was supposed to write happened so quickly. And so from the book, it, it's, it's turned into a podcast now by the same name, Everyday Discernment. And, um, you know, it's just been a cool journey to be on where I'm just like, okay, God's what, what's next? What do you have for me now? Mm-hmm. Um, stepping out of my comfort zone and, and kind of just being faithful to that call. It's exciting, isn't it? When you follow God's calls, it just takes you places you would never have thought. I've said that so many times in my own life. I'm like, I just never thought, I never thought I would have an online uh, like shop where I sell, you know, um, handmade earrings that remind you of God's love. I never thought that I would be speaking at conferences in California. You know, I never thought I would be, um, feeling called to write a course on discernment, which I have, which I did this year. It's, it's amazing. I I was telling my husband the other day, I was like, this is such an exciting journey because I feel like I'm part of it, but it's not, it is my journey, but it's not run by me. It's like, I get to, uh, it's like, God knows better than I do what, I'm going to do next. And, and whatever he has in mind for me is actually going to be way more exciting than what I could plan for myself. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wanted to ask you about, so you mentioned that your gift of discernment is something that you've already, that you've always kind of had in gift assessments. So maybe I'm, I don't know. I went to Catholic school, you know, I grew up going to church every Sunday, but I don't remember ever being presented with a gifts assessment. I did take one, back in, oh, I guess I was 25, some Catholic gifts assessment, but discernment might've been on there, but if it was, then it wasn't one of my gifts. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a skill, I guess I've had to build up more so than a natural gift, but can you go ahead? This is a great segue to the next question, which is what is discernment? Yeah. Because um, I think it's a little bit of a foreign thing to think about it as like a gift that's given you. So can you right. share about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's twofold, honestly, and I'll go into this in detail. But you know, as a gift in First Corinthians, it talks about the discerning of spirits, and that it refers to either the spirit of God versus the spirit of of Satan, and in discerning that spirit, or it refers to the difference between right and wrong, be able to discern that. And so, when you just break it down, the Greek word for discernment is diakrisis, which is the ability to distinguish, discern, judge, or appraise a person's cert, uh, situation or statement. 
So it could be a, a wide variety of things that we have discernment about, and it, it, it can be trained as well. So I talk about mm-hmm. it as discernment as a spiritual muscle where, you know, you can't just, you know, read my book or read a, a statement and all of a sudden have this, you know, wonderful discernment where you're going to make perfect decisions the rest of your life. It's, it's honestly a process. And, you know, we talked about the process of sanctification moving from towards holiness, moving to be like Jesus. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with discernment, you know, you can get uh, the revelation from the spirit in a moment to have a, a great decision, but it's also something that you have to grow over time and the knowledge of the Bible, the knowledge of, of God and who he is and how he is uh, impacting your life can help you with those and training your senses to discern both good and evil. And also just the regular decisions. Like we make so many decisions every day and you know, yeah. God doesn't have to be in the type of toothpaste I, I choose, right? He doesn't have to be in <laughs> the type of caffeine drink I drink, but he does have to be as the forefront in our mind of, am I, is what I'm doing honoring you? Is how I'm mm. parenting my kids honoring you? Is how I'm spending my time today honoring you? All these things and, and, and my kind of just statement is I try to help Christians make decisions that honor God. And so that goes to big decisions, who I'm going to marry, you know, where I should live and, and small decisions, right? How am I going to spend this, this hour I have at night when I could be watching Netflix or I could read the Bible that I've neglected all day? Right. And I love the way Spurgeon talks about discernment. He says, it's not the difference between right and wrong. It's the difference between right and almost right. Mm-hmm. So if you present any Christian with, you know, a blanket, you know, hey, go play with this Ouija board or, you know, Satan's knocking at the door, like with this major, you know, witchcraft thing, like, absolutely not. Like, we're going to say no to that 100%. It's those small decisions that look, that look so close to the truth, but then there's just a twisting on it because Satan loves to twist the truth of God. And it's not in a blanket, overtly dark way all the time. A lot of times it's just, you know, he comes as, he comes disguised as an angel of light, the Bible says. And so a lot of times in our life, you know, we're presented with two decisions that look right. And the world may tell us that, hey, go right, because that's what everyone is doing. And that's the, that's the, uh, the wide path that you're supposed to go on. But Jesus calls us to the narrow path. And a lot of times that means going left when the world tells us to go right. And we only mm-hmm. do that through the knowledge of the Bible and the Holy Spirit. And so, I like to call discernment spiritually infused decision-making for sure. Love that. Yes. So mm-hmm. decision-making with just an infusion of the Holy Spirit in us telling us, telling us how to go and what to do. Love that. You know what it reminds me of? Um, have you read Screwtape Letters, C.S. Lewis? Parts of it, yeah. Yeah, when um, Screwtape is telling his nephew Wormwood, who is a fellow demon, about how to get this soul that he's trying to, to convince to go to hell. Um, and he's telling him, you know, you don't have to do this whole huge dramatic thing. A lot of times it's the question of just slumping comfortably into mm-hmm. hell. And that can be the result of a lot of decisions that aren't objectively wrong, but maybe they turn into from moderation into gluttony, or maybe they turn from, you know, um, one like you mentioned watching Netflix, like yeah. if I spend my Apathy. whole life doing that, right. Then it turns off my, uh, my passion for the rest of whatever it is that God is, that God wants me to do. And I can actually miss things now, you know, of course that's, it's, it's a process, but I think you're astute to point out the kind of the slow decline of building up these habits and you have to keep checking yourself. And so um, God is the, you know, the, the authentic measure by which you should um, always be measuring yourself. Can you actually, so this is a good segue into another question I had for you, which is a story about your dad who was a, yeah. a banker, correct? Yeah. 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 And he, he told you about identifying counterfeit bills. Can you share that story? Yeah. 
Yeah, he was a, a bank manager for a while before he uh, went on to be a pastor. And he always told me the story and it stuck with me for years is that as in the banking industry, they would not look at every type of counterfeit bill out there, mm-hmm. right? They would study the, tr- the true bill. And by studying the true bill, they were able to discern what the counterfeits were because there's so many different types of counterfeits out there. You, you'd spend your, you know, most of your time just trying to study all them. But instead, by studying the true authentic bill, you're able to then see when the counterfeit comes by saying, mm-hmm. okay, this is off here, this is off here, or this is printed on Monopoly paper. It's obviously not the right thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And the same goes with, with, with studying God and his word is that, yeah, I could take religion classes for days and study every religion out there and every false religion and every twisting and every satanic practice. But, you know, unless like I'm called to do that, like that would just be in my mind, a waste of time. Yeah. You should know what's out there and have a general understanding of things, Mm -hmm. but studying the Bible, you're able to then, you know, compare whatever is presented to you against the word of God, which is infallible. Mm-hmm. And so, instead of trying to understand every counterfeit presented out there in, in, in religion and in the spirit realm, we have to just understand the truth of God's word and study the Bible. And, and, and I think from that, we're good because then we can say, okay, yeah, you know, the world wants me to do this, but I need to look at the Bible verse for this. And, and that's why I talk in my book about all these different areas we can have discernment. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's not just in spiritual matters per se, you know, discernment takes place in our finances and how we parent in how we uh, love our spouse in, in our career and how we spend our time. And I also talk, there's a whole chapter about discerning counterfeits because there's a lot out there mm-hmm. and it's important to have discernment about counterfeits and know that when they present themselves that, you know, why they're counterfeit and be able to explain that and to not try to convince the world of why they're counterfeit, but just to have that conviction in ourselves to know that I'm not going to go down that path because that's not the path that leads to life, which is through Jesus. Yeah. It reminds me, I've heard this said many times in just casual conversation. And I've also, there was a point in my life where for a while I was living this way where you, instead of looking at the the true authentic bill, I was looking at the counterfeit and I was using that as my measure of whether or not I was good enough. Um, it's a little different than what you were saying, but it's kind of like, you hear people say, oh, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not Hitler. I'm not a mass murderer. I'll, I'll go to heaven. Cause I'm not, right. you know, I'm like, I'm not a serial killer. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, if that's the measure of who gets into heaven, um, I think we need to readjust and recalibrate here yeah. a little bit. Um, my husband is a great example of someone who really looks at, you know, the, the true authentic bill, so to speak, you know, and he's always, um, I think we need to be chasing, uh, chasing perfection and chasing, authentic love of God and using God as our kind of our mirror rather than looking at like, what's the minimum that I can do and still get by because that is absolutely going to lead you astray every time. And it's so much easier to convince yourself that your habits aren't that bad when you look at, well, I'm not, not Hitler, I'm not Stalin, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I'm not mass murdering innocent people. So I'm good. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Totally different level of standard. And I think it's even harder today with social media because we see people online and we're like, well, at least I'm not like this. Right. And yes. it, it's even in like, you know, if you're trying to lose weight, you know, how do you feel skinny as you hang around people that are, 
you know, way more than you do. And it's a bad comparison because, well, yeah. what's your personal goal? What do you want to do when you look online and you see people that, okay, well, that marriage is falling apart. At least I'm not that bad. That means I don't have to work on my marriage. And that's a, yeah. like you said, comparing yourself, obviously Hitler, the extreme, but in any, any level in between, if we're not comparing ourselves to what Jesus wants, it's a bad comparison. You know, yeah. everyone is on their own journey. Everyone has their own different struggles than you do. And so, uh, that is, uh, we'll talk later about the dangers of social media, but that's one of the dangers is comparison and comparison can kills contentment. Comparison kills contentment. We yes. cannot be content in who we are in Jesus if we compare ourselves to other people and what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I know that battle. Yeah. When you were writing this book, uh, did you read the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola? No, I didn't. Okay, because you mentioned in your book that um, the Catholic Church, Catholic discernment tradition is one of the major sources. And you also mentioned New Age, uh, New Age spirituality, um, which is fascinating. I want to hear a little bit about that. And then I have another question for you uh, about about St. Ignatius. But how how does New Age spirituality inform discernment? It was weird. I mean, I just found it. I don't study a lot in, into the new age, but if I was searching the discernment hashtag on Instagram and you know, the, mm-hmm. the types of things that come up are usually Catholic based or new age. And so mm-hmm. that was really one of my pushes to, you know, kind of just make discernment more of a common term in mm-hmm. Christianity because it's something that's biblical. It's something we all need to focus on having discernment and making better decisions yeah. and discernment in new age. From what I can tell it, it's more about, you know, your personal, your personal identification with, with self and, mm. and having that, that spiritual awakening within yourself to make decisions and, and that kind of stuff, you know, which, which totally takes Jesus out of the equation. Yeah, that's super interesting. I'll have to look that up and do a little bit more research myself because I really don't know too much. Yeah. I don't know much about new age spirituality. I've never studied it either. But you do find yourself, you know, as I talk to different people, you, I do find myself using terms like, you know, finding your most authentic life, which I think is not opposed to what Jesus wants. But yeah. I, but it also kind of sounds a little new agey. And I always have to check myself like, how, how far, you know, <laughs> how, where are we going here? Well, um, but, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I'll just, I'll just say real quick, you know, it's one of those twisting. It's one of those counterfeits. that seems kind of like the truth. You know, they mm-hmm. talk a lot about manifestation and the term mm-hmm. manifestation, you know, speaking things into existence and the way they say it is not with, you know, saying things as according to God's will. Like we pray mm-hmm. and, you know, we're called to pray and to ask for things. Right. But they're, the way they call manifestation is, uh, and I, I'm, I, you know, I did a video on this. Like, I, when we talk about manifestation, I think a manifestation of demons. You know, like, I don't think about mm-hmm. manifesting things out of existence in my own, in my own ability. I, I think about praying to my heavenly Father, and if it's according to His will, He's going to grant it to me if it's for my, if it's for my good, and if He allows it. Mm-hmm. And so there's just those little twistings that sound like, well, yeah, you know, we're called to pray for things, which means we kind of call them to existence. Mm-hmm. Well, no, that the new age philosophy on it manifestation completely takes God out of the equation and puts it on us as, as small G gods. Mm, That's so interesting. Yeah, actually. So this is a little bit of a diversion, but there's, um, I went through a lot of self-image issues and I found that a lot of the way that I talked to myself what my brain actually did become wired. I'm not saying I disagree with you. I do. I do agree with you, but it is interesting how there is, and I think there is an authentic way, which again is not the same as manifesting, but I think there is an authentic way to keep God in the picture and to speak in ways to yourself and speak in ways to other people, speak in ways 
that do, you know, manifest God's word and manifest God's way of thinking. Um, And it's almost like the the habits that you build up of how you talk to yourself or it's just, it's a fascinating area of study. Um, And, and a lot of the, yeah, we're called to meditate on the word of God. You know, that's biblical, you know, and there, there's right. obviously a twisting on meditation, you know, and so right. we're called to remind ourselves of God's goodness and his provision and all these things. Yeah. And you can do that verbally. You can do that in your prayer life. You can do that by journaling. And those are just kind of repeating the things in your life, like you're saying, to remind yourself of the goodness of God. And mm-hmm. that's totally biblical. That's totally fine. We should remind ourselves and keep God on our lips. Right. Yeah. Because Jesus, you know, Jesus is the word of God. And so when you speak the truth, you do, in a sense, manifest it um but i see what you mean about you know the twisting of it is are is god am i acknowledging is the whole basis of my belief system that i'm in control or that god's in control right um super interesting yeah yeah because i found that when i rewired my brain so to speak when i did speak truth to myself it actually it scientifically does rewire your brain and there's a um there's a wonderful book uh she's not christian at all but i just scientifically to illuminate how this concept works is called uh, my stroke of insights jill Mm -hmm. bolte taylor and um uh, just about how your brain runs in circuits and how you need to break down those circuits of of um of falsehood and replace them with with truthful ones and that and that in a sense you have control over what you think in a way that a lot of us don't think that we do but I found uh, my Christian version of that was to surrender control to God and ask him, okay, what do you see? How do you see me? Can you show me how you see me? And that was a very, I can't underestimate the power of that in my life. Long process, such a beautiful journey. Um, yeah, but so, super fascinating when it comes to discernment too. Um, There's a lot of cool things physio- physiologically and psychologically in our brains and how they're wired, like you're saying. And I just talked to um, yeah. a person on my podcast too, who highlighted that about the importance of prayer and how even praying rewires our brains. And he was going through all these terms that I can't mention on here, but mm-hmm. um and I said in there, it's almost like, you know, the God who created us knows how we're wired. And if we just follow the Bible, you know, we're on that path to, to freedom and, and to life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's almost like he designed us that way. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like trust, he knew what he was doing. Trust our creator. Imagine that. Yeah, I know. And it's amazing too. I love how science actually reveals God's um, sovereignty in the world. Mm. Um, there's an idea that, again, we're going way off topic here, but or I am, but, um, so, you know, uh, science and, and religion being opposed and, you know, authentically, that's not true at all. Yeah. They do work together. Yeah. So uh, you mentioned a really cool, uh, you had a lot of wonderful terminology in your book about just understanding the Greek origins of the different words that were used. And one of them was the word paraclete. So I'd love to hear about the Holy Spirit's role as the paraclete mm-hmm. and how he's actually an advocate. What is that? Yeah. You know, where does that come from? What is advocate? And how does that play into our discernment? Because I think there's a lot of people who think that God's will and my will must be opposed. They must be separate. Yeah. Um, and, and whatever it is that I don't want, that must be what God wants for me. So yeah. you can illuminate that for us. That'd be great. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. And I learned this too, as I wrote the book, but the word paraclete is kind of used in those terms as, as you would use it for a family attorney. So, and not just any attorney, but one that the family would call on to assist at any time of the day. Mm. And so, mm-hmm. the, you know, thinking about the spirit as our helpmate, as our, as our guide, as our, as our attorney, if you will, fighting for us, trying to point us on the right path, you know, fighting our battles, making sure that we're, you know, getting in alignment with God as we're talking about in, in, in changing our thought processes to align with his and the spirit will always give us a message that's in truth in alignment with the Bible. 
And so that's a lot of how we have discernment is, you know, is what I'm saying in alignment with the Bible or am, just, am I just, you know, thinking my, my random thoughts that we all have and are those random thoughts, you know, we don't want to follow random thoughts unless they're in, in alignment with the Bible. And so the spirit kind of helps align us to think like God in that moment. And if we have more of the spirit in us, if we're reading more of the Bible, if we're connecting more with God on that process that we're talking about, the spirit can help us on a moment's notice and can help us, you know, um, uh, make better decisions that maybe sometimes we have to kind of, and I, I heard this perfect in, in a, in a book by Ken Harrison, I had him on my podcast and he talked about, you know, discernment as being like a multiple choice test mm-hmm. where if you're in school, you take, you, you all, you know how these work where you can always eliminate like two off the bat that are just, you know, <laughs> completely nonsense or has nothing to do with the question. And from there, you're usually left with two multiple choice questions that seem very close to each other. And that's what we're talking about with the Spurgeon uh, quote too, is, you know, right and almost right. So a lot of times we're left with maybe two decisions that seem really close, that seem really good. And that's where the spirit can just kind of quicken on our spirit, you know, where to go. And a lot of times Mm -hmm. that's, that's followed by peace. You know, Mm -hmm. a lot of times I tell people, how do you know you're making the right decision? The peace of God comes upon you and you know, by the spirit that's in you, that you're making the right decision. And it's not that it's going to be an easy decision. Peace does not mean that decisions are easy. You can make a tough decision and still have peace about it, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's that's sometimes the difference. And I love that term about multiple choice tests because growing up, you know, obviously in school, like we all have, you, you know how that's like. And so, you know, mm-hmm. if you have just a swash of decisions around, you know, these 10 paths I could go on, well, eliminate the ones that you know are just 100% unbiblical that are your own thoughts and then narrow it down to maybe two or three that you can really just pray about, meditate on and take time. Like, unless you have to make a decision in the next hour for something, which is pretty rare, don't rush it. Like let meditate on it, get in the word, ask God to reveal himself to you. You know, I'm going through a major decision in my life and I've been praying on it for months and, mm. and I don't want to rush it. Major decisions, I don't want to rush. And that's kind of what I've always done with discernment. That's one of the reasons I said I've had discernment is because I always want to make sure that, um, you know, I don't rush into things and then we'll regret them later. Mm-hmm. St. Ignatius in his spiritual exercises says that you can always ask God for confirmation. And I found that to be true myself, that if something is the will of God, he will confirm it for you in a way that you can really grasp onto and understand. And I think that's such a wonderful safety net for those of us who are like, yeah. I don't know, in my mind, I'm like, well, maybe this thing, but maybe this thing. And I'm flip-flopping back and forth. And I'm like, what is going on? Yeah. Um, so that's all really awesome that you, all the stuff you brought up. I want to know what it feels like for the Holy Spirit to nudge you in that when, you, when you've, mul- you've eliminated those two multiple choice questions that are just, you're like, nope, that's not going to work. That's not truthful. And then you're down to the two and you're like this one or this one, because a lot of us use the term uh, opportunity cost in your, yes. in your book. There's always an opportunity cost. It's the difference between what's almost right and what's right. <laughs> and yeah. a lot of times, well, we should always be, you know, really discerning between good things. So we, mm-hmm. we have to say no to a good thing in order to accept another good thing. And that is a very, very difficult thing to do. So for me, the whole, when the Holy Spirit is nudging me in one direction versus another, it comes to me like a thought that has occurred to me that somehow I know is from outside of myself. And I'm not sure that I can really, really articulate how I know that. But it's a thought that occurs to me. And my, and my first impulse is usually, oh, okay, uh, hmm. where did that come from? And, and yeah. it's, a, it's, it's like this dialogue within myself, but it, one of the voices isn't mine. And I, it, that's going to sound super weird, I know, but 
But there is a, a thought that occurs. And sometimes it's just a thought. Sometimes it's words. Sometimes it's um, just like a, something in me acknowledges that I know that this is the right decision. And once I have that, then I have to sort of test it and say, okay, is this authentic? And sometimes I'll do that by talking to my husband or asking God for a confirmation yeah. um, in either direction, or I just say, I'll sleep on it. And then usually the next morning, like you said, something will have become obvious. But do you, does that resonate with you? And Yeah, totally. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Mm-hmm. And like you're saying, a lot of times it's the persistent voice. You know, we have random thoughts come in and out of our heads all the time. But when it's mm-hmm. a persistent voice that doesn't go away, and even if you're like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on about my day. And then later on, you have that same thought or that same voice. You're like, all right, there's something here. And that's why I think journaling is so important. And I started journaling about, um, at the, actually the beginning of 2020, which I've never journaled before, but you know, people that do it can really state the benefits of it. And I've seen the benefits of it too, just because mm-hmm. you know, you're able to write down those thoughts that maybe you're not able to process in the moment, or maybe you get a vision for something that later on God will keep adding to. And mm-hmm. so, uh, I would recommend journaling to everybody. I would recommend, you know, processing it with uh, one of the sources of discernment I talk about is godly relationships. So like you said, going to your spouse and and saying, Mm -hmm. you know, what does this mean to you? Can you help me pray through this? You know, do you have any thoughts about this? Because I mean, our spouses know us better than anyone, hopefully. And so they can speak into our life and, and they kind of know our story and our journey and what we're going through. And they're able to speak with discernment that God gives them. And so it's, it's, that's why I say godly relationships, because it's not just, you know, some, some random person in a church or off the street that you're going to ask for a discernment about, you know, you want the people right. that God's put in your life that can speak into your life that, that know you, like I said, know your journey and can and give you that godly discernment that they have, or the, the years of wisdom that they have that, that you don't have, or maybe they, they're going down the same path that you're going on and you're able to say, okay, help me, help me understand the pitfalls that you went through. So I don't have to make the same mistakes. That's yeah. just great. That's just great discernment in general by learning from those who are, have that wisdom and that are, are older than us have been down that journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love it. You talk about discerning how you spend your time uh, in the book and you used two Greek words again, uh, chronos and kairos to, dis- yeah. to uh, distinguish between two kinds of time. So can you tell us more about that? Cause that was a cool little tidbit there. Yeah, I love these these terms and this concept. It's it's how God moves in time, and you know, Chronos is considered chronology, so it's over time. Kairos is what's called strike point moments, where God intervenes in a moment on behalf of His people and gives them revelation or wisdom or, or what have you. And we see this God working both ways in our life. We see the Chronos, how God's worked over our over time, whether it's a year, five years, ten years, twenty years, you know. As, as long as you want to go, God works in our life through chronos over time, but God also works in strike point moments through kairos moments. Mm-hmm. And these strike point moments happen with the help of the Holy Spirit, that revelation we're talking about where we're meditating on the word, you open up the Bible, it's fresh, you know, you read the same passage you've always read and it's fresh for the first time. That's the Holy Spirit talking to you in a strike point moment that may be relevant to the situa- situation you're going through. And so you're able to apply it in that moment through the, the knowledge of the word of God and be able to make a decision where God just intervened in that moment for you. And you feel like, on cloud nine, because you're like, yes, God still speaks today. He's moving today. And, you know, it's easy to go through those moments where you just wish for a Kairos moment from God. You just wish God just show up and I'll do whatever you want. Just show up and tell Mm -hmm. me. And a lot of times God just wants you to be on that journey that you're on. Stay faithful to the Kronos 
the chronology of your life. Stay faithful mm-hmm. to what I've called you to do. And a lot of times we want something new, something fresh, but you know, maybe you just need to be faithful to your kids and your job and your husband where you're at. And then God will bring about a fresh revelation to something new when it's time, because we know God's time is not God's outside of time. Time is a creation of God. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times we one things now in our fast food culture where we pray and we're like, all right, I prayed, where's my answer? You know, but mm-hmm. we look at prayer in the Bible and it's so deep and it's so, uh, it's so, it's so uh, intimate. It's so intimate with God. And it takes, you know, you see the prophets that prayed for 21 days or, or six months. And it's like, wow, I can barely pray for five minutes. Like it, it's such a, it's so uh, revealing to me to understand that where I need to grow in my prayer, prayer life when I see, um, how others have done it. Mm-hmm. And I love that kind of parallels um, one of the, your, your methods of discernment where you talk about chrono seems to be kind of like a, a skill, just sort of like the natural progression of life where your life is just going along and uh, you can ask yourself, am I doing good things? Am I honoring the calls that I have? Okay, then maybe not too much needs to change right now. And if we're not super happy in our lives, uh, maybe it's time to make small changes, not necessarily get this big answer that we are. And I think a lot of people start to try to find out what discernment is and what it means. And they want that knowledge once they want that Kairos moment. Um, If things are going well in a chronos sense, (laughs) then, you know, they're just going to keep rolling with it. But then they want that change. They want that, you know, that uh, intervention of God. They want that God voice in their head. And it's like, no, sometimes you just keep going with your chronos. (laughs) So, yeah, I I love that. Um, And I'll say too, like, we want, we want the, you know, we look at other people, no matter who they are, whether it's a pastor, a celebrity, and we just do this in the natural. We look at where they're at but we don't understand the process they took to get there. And mm. so we just want, let's say I want to be a pastor, some, some pastor that has a huge audience. It's like, man, I wish I had that. Why don't I have that? Well, mm. I don't know what that person went through. I don't know their struggles and their challenges. Maybe they had a failed church and maybe they learned from it and mm. God worked in their heart to get them to the place where they're at today. And so we have to, that goes back to comparison. We have to really focus on not comparing our journey to someone else's because Mm -hmm. we don't know what God's doing in their life. We don't know if they're even following the will of God. And so we have to make sure that we stay faithful in that timeline that God has us on. And then no matter what platform we're put on, continue to point glory to God while we're doing it. Yes, absolutely. And whether or not success finds you um, is so much less of the measure of the value that you have in the world has yeah. been a huge journey for me as I have looked around, you know, at different speakers and it, there's speakers that I admire and I see them speaking on stages that I would like to. And I, it's been such a journey. Like I, I've known all along that that's not the measure of how good I am as a speaker yeah. or how valuable my ministry is. And it's funny too, cause like it's all for, it's all for God. Right. right. You know, but there's still that human part of me that wants that success. And uh, yeah. it was really great. I was talking to my husband the other day and I was like, you know what? I, I think one thing that's so beautiful lately is that I feel like I've grown to the point where I understand that the value of my ministry is not the numbers Mm -hmm. and the value is not the, um, you know, how impressive my speaking, uh, speaking engagements are, or how much, you know, how many people are banging down my door asking me to speak or not, (laughs) (laughs) or not asking me to speak. And it's so important to just, yeah, to, to, to grow beyond that. And that's a process, you know, that is such a yeah. process. I, you know, I, I've been doing this for 
four years. And I feel like it's just this year that I've really been delivered and not perfectly, but delivered and grown in such a way that it's no longer a, a really, you know, a, a, a thought that, that I have to always be conscious of and consciously bring to God. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about social media. Oh boy. <laughs> Here we go. And I'm in an interesting moment with social media. I deleted the Instagram app on my phone, Tim, oh, wow. this week. So nice. we just had the election. Yeah, dude. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going back, to be honest with you. And <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I wasn't even going to talk about this in this interview, but uh, I think there's just so much out there. I recognized that uh, my peace was so disturbed every time mm. I went on there. And I was so tempted to go back and keep checking those notifications. I just said, you know what? I'm done for now. My yeah. account still exists, but I have not checked it in almost a week. And you know what? I feel great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's this interesting thing where I, um, <clears throat> I like, I want to check my phone. I want to get that dose of dopamine to my brain to get that, you know, those, that, that validation. Yeah. And then, uh, cause I'm a little bit bored in my life or whatever. And then I'm like, no, I don't have the app on my phone. Do I want to download it? Nope. And then I go through this really quick process of like, oh, that's such a downer. That's such a bummer. Like, I wonder what's going on in the world. And then I realize, like, actually, though, I'm free to live my life right now. And actually, yeah. I am free to notice my surroundings. And then I'm like, oh, I get really happy about that. And then it's like, I'm just going to go do something else. And all this thing, <laughs> these things, like, it takes place um, for, like, you know, every five minutes for, like, the whole day. So, you know, it, it's amazing. I, you know, I'm going to be honest. Like, I did not realize how... Um, how much control it had over my thoughts and over my mind, you know, yeah. it's kind of like an alcoholic being like, I can stop anytime. <laughs> and now that I have, I recognize how much I needed to in a way that I didn't see it. So, you know, I spent a lot of time building up a following on Instagram, really enjoy yeah. interacting with it. I met so many people like yourself who are so great on Instagram. And honestly, I just don't know if I'm going back. Um, yeah. The 2016 election drove me off Facebook and I've never, I'm, I'm on there and I have yeah. a following there, but I just post on Instagram, which cross posts to Facebook and I almost never check Facebook. So <laughs> we'll see. I mean, maybe I'm not going to be on social media really at all in the future. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, this I, is, I relate because yeah. right before I started discerning dad, I was literally going to delete my Facebook account and, and my social media. I was to yeah. that point and God called me back into it by saying, you know, put some, put some value into it, put, put the light of the, the Bible and in, in all these things into yeah. social media to kind of give people, you know, as they're scrolling through political stuff, they can see a verse or something and, yeah. and hopefully allow them to think about, you know, without being a replacement for the Bible, obviously, but so your, that's been your kind account's of my, great for that. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you. And and it, it's hard for me though, because I'm on a lot of diff different social medias and notifications are going off all the time. And I do find that validation, which I have to watch myself when I get a like or a comment or, or you know, a chat going back and forth or a DM. Mm -hmm. and, and I have to kind of say, okay, what am I not doing now? It goes back to that opportunity cost of what am I foregoing in order to be on here? Mm -hmm. And and just in a in a secular realm, like we can just mentally, we can just get lost in social media for okay. for hours if you let yourself. I mean, yeah. literally, you know, right before bed or, you know, at work when you're supposed to be working and just not using our time wisely. And so, you know, I definitely, it is a personal conviction. And so, it goes back to our journey. Like if God is calling you to get off social media 100%, then do it. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say that every person has to do that because that's, that may not be your journey. Maybe you can have that restraint and that control over it where you mm -hmm. can check it twice a day and it doesn't get in the way of your kids and your work, then, then by all means. But yeah. we do have to be able to um, chart how it's affecting us. Do you feel like 
you know, a lot of times I'll get on social media and I'll get off and I'm like, I, I feel like tense right now. I feel like stressed. Yeah. And why? Yeah. And I start to start to go back and the steps in my brain is like, okay, I saw two things on social media that just got my, my spirit like stirring. And, you know, that's, that's not good. Like why? And so we mm-hmm. were just at a men's retreat and we called it unplugged because we didn't have Wi-Fi or cell phone service. And so, um, it nice. was interesting to see 35 guys show up and all of a sudden their phones don't work. And the same thing for me where it's like, you know, they, they show up and it's like, and I heard, I heard guys say like, I get texts all the time and this is so weird for me. And mm. it was almost like detoxing, like you said, like an alcoholic. So it's like yeah. detoxing and going through like the, the shakes or the chills. Like, why am I not checking something? And then all of a sudden yeah. being like, all right, I can breathe. Like I can just, focus. Yeah. I have more peace. And mm-hmm. so, you yeah. know, sorry, go ahead. Oh no. I was just, I was just saying that, that, you know, we really have to analyze how it affects us and then, and put in the right strategies to um, not let social media control us, but we have to control it. Yeah. I think what this week has taught me is that if I'm going to go back and re-enter that world, it has to be a call. It has to be like, there's something in me that needs to heal. And I have taken so much as a conservative on Instagram. Yeah. I've taken so much black this year, you know, posting a picture of myself at the March for life. Mm. Nothing, <laughs> nothing yeah. brings on more hatred than posting a picture of yourself at the March for life. Yeah. Um, or saying that you, you know, that, that you find Amy Coney Barrett to be um, an excellent role model Um, And then you get all this hatred. And I realized, like, I was like, nobody's paying me for this. I I got this for this comment. It was like a pregnancy selfie, you know, and I'm getting so many horrible comments from these people who are disgruntled that she got put into into office. And someone posted a comment that was like, you look like an absolute clown posting stuff like that. They didn't say stuff. They said a a word that they shouldn't have said. I was like, you know what? Nobody's paying me for this. And if I were at the point of maturity or growth or something where it genuinely didn't bother me. And I could, and I could put my phone down and walk away from that and say, I know from head to toe, I know every, every part of my soul, my spirit, that that person's wrong. And I'm leaving this, uh, (laughs) leaving this behind. Then I could, then I could continue to be there. But I realized, you know what, this is, I'm not strong enough to be taking stuff like this all the time. And then to walk away. I'm not, you know, I'm here with my kids all day. I'm not in an environment where I have like a whole team of, you know, supportive people around me. Like I have to be, I have to be the strong one for my yeah. children. And I'm like, this is not, this is not doing it for me right now. And, um, and I think there was just that moment where I'm like, you're not paying me to do this. They're <laughs> not paying me to do this. And my most important thing is to be present in my family. And well, so, yeah, so we actually had a beautiful weekend and great. I was really focusing on we're redoing the kitchen here. And so we yeah. were building the island and it turned into this beautiful father-son bonding time with my three-year-old little boy and my, my husband. And I'm there painting and they're there sawing. And, you know, my, my husband is like, um, they're doing kind of their first house project together. And it looks awesome. I'm looking at it right now, the, the island that they built. <laughs> so beautiful. They did such a great job. And I was like, this is so much better. <laughs> this is, I'm yeah. choosing the better part. I'm like Martha and Mary, you know, choosing yeah. the better part, mm, being here and, and watching it and noticing it. And I'm not saying that like everybody has to get off social media, not at right. all. And who knows, maybe I'll go back to it, you know, but it has to be, I feel like I have to be called back into that space. And I have to just take the time now to recognize what is this space? What am I called to share, if anything? And am I strong enough to go back? You know what I mean? Well, 
And that's great. And that's exactly what I talk about in my book. And when I talk about discerning your purpose on social media, why are you there to begin with? And there's three questions I ask, which everyone can ask yourself these three questions. Number one, what is your daily screen time and what is your goal? There's apps for this. You know, if you Mm -hmm. see that your screen time is eight hours a day, which many people are, that might be a problem that you want to address. And you can set Mm -hmm. a limit for yourself and say no more than two hours or one hour and then have it notified to kind of, you know, trigger that. So that's like a practical way to get less screen time when you find it that it's consuming you. The second one that you have to ask yourself is what are your goals for being on social media? Is it a business Mm. connection? Is it to relax? Is it for information? Which if it's for information, you know, please don't get it off social media. But, you know, (laughs) is it for connection with maybe friends? Is it, do you have a ministry like we do? Like, what are your main goals for being on there? And once you answer those, you know, if it's just to kill time, that's not a goal to be on social media. You should Mm -hmm. know why you're there. What's your purpose for being on it? And then Mm -hmm. the last one is what are you giving up in favor of being on social media? Mm -hmm. This goes back to discernment with our time. So, you know, having those screen time goals. And then, you know, sometimes I'll be playing with my, my daughter and then I'll realize I'm, I'm on my phone as I'm playing with her. I'm not giving her my 100% as a dad and that's conviction for me. And so we have to know what we're giving up by being on social media. Is it, you know, you get home and you jump right on social media and you're not saying, you know, honoring your, your spouse, you're not saying hi to your kids, you're not helping her out around the house. You know, what is it getting in the way of or do you have it in a good bucket where, okay, it's 9.30, the kids are in bed, I'm going to jump on for 15 minutes, and then I'm going to jump off. I'm not giving up anything by doing that, and I'm having control over it. I'm not letting it have a control over me. Mm-hmm. That's great. And you have to be so honest. As you're, as you're saying each question, I'm thinking to myself, okay, uh, you know, counterfeit bill, genuine bill. Yes, yes, <laughs> Am I holding exactly. myself up to the minimum? Like, well, I'm not at three hours a day. I'm only at two. <laughs> and so that's, that could be worse. Right. Or am I holding myself up to, well, that's, that's still two hours a day. That's right. tw- two hours a day that you're losing. You know, wh- what is the counterfeit bill versus, and I think, uh, you know, relaxing is a legitimate mm-hmm. thing, but are you honestly relaxed after you check yeah. social media? For me, I think for a couple of months now, I have not felt relaxed, like truly relaxed. It is, uh, I'll get off and those thoughts are still buzzing around in my head. And I'm like, you know what? It's, it's, um, if I'm really honest with myself, it's not a relaxed experience. I can tell myself that, but it's not. And that's different for everyone. I'm not saying anything about anything for anybody. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Counterfeit bill, authentic bill. <laughs> you might need to take, you might need to go to the extremes, you know, desperate times call for desperate measures. And if you're on there eight hours a day, you might need to delete the app. You might need to just turn off or the even, phone when you get or, home. Or an hour a day. Yeah. You might need to, to delete the app. Yeah. You it's might not need to put it yeah. in, a, in, a, in a safe place, you know, during dinner and after dinner, like whatever mm-hmm. you need to do, do it because I think you'll see the benefit of it too. You know, giving up cold turkey is a strategy for alcoholics or addictions, you know, and if, if it's an addiction mm-hmm. to you, then you might need to give it up cold turkey for a period of time so you can come back to it in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. There was a really cool homily by a priest that I heard that has always stuck with me. And he said, like, the the really interesting thing about the Israelites in the Bible was that they, um, when they were being led out of Egypt, God told them to kill a sheep. It was because the, the sheep, sheep were considered sacred by Egyptians. And so if they killed a sheep and they literally painted the blood on the door of their house, there was no going back to Egypt because uh, there was only death waiting for them because they did yeah. something that was so horrific to the Egyptians that they could literally not go back. But that was what it was going to take for the Israelites to sever their connection with that 
you know, that slavery and that bondage was they had to actually do something that was irrevocable that was going to mm. kick them out forever. And, oh, you know, you, you listen to the story of the Israelites and there were a lot of, <laughs> you know, God saved them miraculously, but they were still in the desert. And then they're going, oh, we should have got, we should go back. We should go back, you know, and even yeah. after they painted their, their doors, their lintels with the blood of the lamb, they still couldn't, you know, they still couldn't uh, bring themselves to really emotionally like adjust and adapt to freedom. Um, And so, yeah, for me, deleting the app on my phone was, was that thing of like, okay, it's not that I couldn't download it again. I could, but it would take a very conscious decision. And while it's downloading, I'd be thinking, is this a good decision? Is this a good decision? (laughs) And so I'm just not going to do that for now. Yeah. Yeah, Super interesting. Okay. So let's finish up with just talking about uh, media in general. We talked about social media. We talked about, um, uh, you know, discernment of time. What about kind of just media in general? And I think this is, it goes right hand in hand with the rest of everything that we've been talking about. Um, I think you implied in your book that we have pretty paltry standards in our culture. And I totally agree. Yeah. Um, so how do you discern use of media and um, what do you think is the right way to discern it? Yeah. So in this chapter, it's about entertainment media. So if you talk about movies, video games, and music, those are the, kind of the three main things I talk about and how, we need to have discernment about what we watch and what we consume. You know, we, we're called consumers of media, which means we we take it in, we take it into our spirit. And so if we're watching things, a lot of times people will say, well, I'm justified because I'm not doing what's on screen. And that's a terrible excuse because you're still, you're still inviting it into your home, you're inviting it into your spirit. And we have to have personal conviction. Now, this is something I, I talk, you have to have a personal conviction about it. So, Mm-hmm. My parents won't watch movies that I may watch. You know, I may not watch movies that others will watch. And over time, I've seen myself change in this manner. Even like, you know, my wife won't watch scary movies because they affect her spirit where I can watch them. It doesn't affect mine. So you kind of have to know, like, am I watching murder and it's going to affect me, you know, in a negative way. Same thing with, I talked about with minors. That's a whole nother part of the chapter is we have to know that, you know, things we can process as adults is not the same for someone who's five or 10, even in a worldly standard, they have ratings, you know, PG, PG 13 and R for a reason. Mm -hmm. And so we can't just sit our kids down and have them watch rated R movies at, at their leisure because that is doing a disservice to them and their their growth as just human beings, let alone their spirit. And so mm-hmm. it's really important to analyze what we're watching and to also look at, again, the opportunity cost of what we're watching and what are we not doing in place of it. And I can, my, my vice growing, growing up and even now is video games. It's how I unwind. It's how I kind of just chill and process, you know, deprocess for the day. And so it's not hard for me to be on for five hours, you know, when I was, especially when I was younger not so much now, but to be on for five hours and then be like, all right, it's 3am. I got to get up for work at eight o'clock. What did I just do with my, with my night? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, what did I do in place of that? Did I not have sleep? Did I not spend time with my wife? Did I not Mm -hmm. spend time with the Bible and all those things? And there's nothing wrong with chilling out and watching Netflix for two hours. I'm not saying that, but you have to have, uh, you know, an understanding of where it is in the place of your schedule. And is it something you're doing every night or is it something that you're doing, you know, maybe you're on a date night, maybe, you know, there's a lot of reasons why it's a good thing. And then ask God for conviction about the type of content you watch and that you allow into your life. Because like I said, there's a wide range, you know, there's Christians I talk to that watch Harry Potter or don't watch Harry Potter. And they have strong convictions about it. And I'm not going to say which one I am, but you know, it's important to understand what you believe and why, and then let God do a work in you where you might 
be fine with it. And a year down the road, you might not. And that's Mm -hmm. the work of the Holy Spirit is our process through sanctification. Yeah. And as you're talking, there's a lot of things, there's a lot of labels that people might throw at you. And even within my own head, I have, you know, I've, I've raised my standards in the last couple of years out of necessity. And I think it's been very, very good for me. But sometimes, you know, I, I wonder, am I approved for doing this? And the answer is no. You yeah. know, I can, you can, you don't have to get into a group think. There's no, uh, these people who might be telling you, oh yeah, well, it's just, you know, we're all going to watch a movie tonight. Like, it's a movie night. This is hard when you're like, in, I feel like as a married person who's home with my kids every night, we don't have really very many group movie nights. It's really just my husband and me and we can agree and, you know, mutually. But when you're in high school and in college, that was like a real thing. And if yeah. you were the one who was like, no, you know what, this movie's not good for me. It's really not good for me. Yeah. That would be, uh, you know, <laughs> to some people, that'd be like, you're betraying the group or whatever. Yeah. But my husband, when he was, um, he was like, his, he and his brother were, I think like 10 and 11 or something like that. And they were at a sleepover and one of the kids got on their hands on an R-rated movie or maybe it was PG-13, but it was like very close to our, a lot of like sexual content or whatever. Yeah. And my husband and his brother called their mother and asked her to come pick them up. And there, nice. and my mother-in-law arrived and she told the other mother what the other kids were doing. And she was really upset with her. She's like, why did you give them access to this? I think the other mother didn't know. But yeah. I thought, whoa, that is some character right there. That yeah. is some strength right there to be like, you don't, like you do not have to follow the crowd. There is no, no reason. And when you look at the, uh, the friendships you might lose versus you know the cost of your soul or seeing something yeah. that you really shouldn't see, um, when you look at it from God's perspective, it's like, no, absolutely. It is so much better. And I'm not saying this because I'm perfect at this because yeah. I am absolutely a people pleaser. And yeah. I want to be, you know, there's a big part of me that's like, I want to see the shows that other people are seeing so that I can talk about them. And I remember feeling really left out when I went to college and it was like, I hadn't watched any of these shows because my family <laughs> didn't have TV growing up. Yeah. You know, and I'm feeling left out for a little while. And now I'm like, Psh- forget that. Like, what does that matter in the grand scheme of things? It's so small is so small and learning to accept that like your own personal limits, like you said, your wife can't watch scary movies. I'm the same way too. I'm the same way. And I, and I've had to acknowledge to myself over the years that I'm a lot more sensitive than I want to be. I want to be the person who doesn't (laughs) ruffle any feathers or, you know, but it's like, I have to admit, I, you know, I'm not going to watch this right now. I'm sorry. I'm just not going to watch that with you, whatever it is, (laughs) you know? And it's like, yeah, you have to sometimes inconvenience other people with that. Um, but in the grand scheme of things, like think about it, you know, if you're on Netflix, there's 35 million other things you could watch on Netflix. Right. YouTube, there's so many other things. It's like, you don't have to worry about offending other people. So that's my and, little message of empowerment. For I, I, I've had a matcha green tea latte now, so I'm going on <laughs> caffeine too. So nice. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I'll just say last thing about the uh, entertainment media is that content has gotten a lot more mature and, and vulgar over the years. I mean, yes. I remember growing up and I had, you know, cable, but it was edited cable for the most part. I didn't have like HBO and stuff. And now you have ne- access to Netflix that has TVMA and that umbrella is huge Oh yeah. where I'll watch a movie and all of a sudden something will pop on. I'm like, where did this come from? And why am I watching this? Turn it off. Right. And, you know, when we give our kids that power in cell phones and through, um, you know, streaming services, we have to make sure we're having discernment with them because Huge. their spirits may not be able to make that decision. And so we have to kind of mold them in that so they can make those decisions where they, they call their parent to rescue them because, you know, on their own, they just want to be cool and they want to see something new and exciting. And, you know, you're building up a, mm-hmm. a standard in them where they're not going to have discernment and, and conviction. 
It's intentionality. Yes. And understanding the bigger picture. Yeah, sure. absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, well, thank you so much, Tim. Where can people find you? Yeah, well, thank you. Uh, d- discerning-dad.com is my website. And then my book is on Amazon, Everyday Discernment. And then my podcast by the same name, Everyday Discernment. All right. Well, thank you so much for being my guest and taking the time. This is going to be a great one to put out into the world. And, um, you know, thank you again. It's great to chat with you. Finally, we've been meaning to do this for a long time. Yes. And you had a quote in my book. We didn't mention that, but you had a quote in my book in chapter eight, I think, or chapter 10, one of them. So I know I I was reading it. I was like, oh, I feel famous. (laughs) Yes. So they can check that out on the chapter on relationships. So yeah, that's right. That's right. It was about more important than finding, you know, the magical one, (laughs) the one is choosing to love the one that you chose. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It just, one of those moments, you know? (laughs) Oh man, it's so great having you. Thank you so much, Tim. God bless. Thank you. Take care. Hey, you're still here. That's pretty cool. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. I really hope that you have a wonderful two weeks until I see you again. And you know what? If you've been enjoying this show and you have 10 seconds to spare, I'd so appreciate a nice little rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps my little show get seen by more eyes. And it is the first thing that people notice when they're browsing shows and looking for for new ways to pass an hour while they work out or commute. So please... Go ahead and just leave a nice little rating, nice little review. I would love to hear from you guys. I read all their reviews and I just always love um, getting great feedback. Next time on Calling Caffeinated, I'm going to be featuring a wonderful lady that you might know from Instagram at the oodles of doodles. It is Allie Hoffman. She is such a cool chica. So you're going to love her and you're going to love our conversation. So make sure you tune in next time and God bless you. Have a wonderful two weeks. Know my prayers for you and thank you in advance for your prayers for me and my family. God bless guys.